We never heard from him again. No letter, no call, no contact. That's very possible. That played a leading role in what happened. Oh, here we go. Two, seven, five, one. Five, 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 six, five, seven. This is it. I think it's an incredible story. I guess I kept wondering why everybody didn't address the elephant in the room. I'm Brian Dolan, and this is The Grandfather Effect. Hey there, it's Brian. I want to hit pause on this episode to ask you for two quick favors. First, don't forget to subscribe to and follow this podcast so you never miss an episode. And second, would you consider sharing the grandfather effect with a few of your friends? You know, word of mouth marketing is the best thing out there. And if you like what you hear, we'd be so grateful for you to help us spread the word about the grandfather effect. Tell your friends to find out more information at moodyradio.org slash grandfather. Again, moodyradio.org slash grandfather. Thanks. Let's get back to the episode. I'm on my way to visit my grandfather, who was buried at Fort Snelling National Cemetery, just outside of Minneapolis. I have no idea how I'm going to find him. It's a vast sea of white gravestones, neatly organized across 400 acres of flat, snow-covered Minneapolis landscape. Over 225,000 veterans and their immediate family members are buried there. I have been here once before because of my grandpa. That's what you need to do when a relative is buried, right? You go to their internment service to honor their life, to say goodbye. But why do we come back to a gravesite? Usually to interact with fond memories, old stories, and to feel their impact in the place where they're buried. And this is exactly why I haven't been back. I have no memories. I have no stories. I wouldn't even recognize his impact if it hit me in the face. I genuinely don't know what I'm doing here. But I guess I have to find out. The whole property was essentially empty of the living today. After all, it was mid-February in Minnesota on a cold and windy day. I figured the best place to start was the Public Information Center. I needed a grave number and a map to find Grandpa. And as I got back in my car to begin the search, something popped into my head. The effort I'm putting forth to find my grandfather's grave, which I've never visited, ironically, is more effort than he ever put toward knowing me. I knew I wouldn't find any answers here. But maybe I'd find some peace. Oh, here we go. 2751. 52, 2753, 2754, 5556, 57. This is it. Thomas H. Gone. Gosh, what do you say? There's only one more person that could give me any sort of concrete, first hand information about my grandpa. And he's the oldest living relative in my family. My dad's only living cousin, Marshall Jr. Now, family trees are cumbersome to explain without visuals, but I've got to give you some context here to understand who I'm talking about. 
so bear with me. My great-grandfather, Oscar Henry Dolan, had two sons, Marshall and Thomas. Marshall is my great-uncle, and Thomas is my grandfather. Now, Grandpa Tom had two sons, Tom Jr., who you met last episode, and Bill, my dad. Great-uncle Marshall, on the other hand, had two sons, Robert and Marshall Jr. Now, sadly, Robert passed away a number of years ago, but Marshall Jr. is still living. So, if you're following me, that makes him the only other person who would have any intimate knowledge of my grandfather. Here's the problem. I've never talked to him. I don't have his phone number or his address. I don't even know what he looks like. My dad hasn't spoken to him in at least 20 years and has no clue where he lives. So what, do I just start calling Marshall Dollins? And how do you cold call a distant relative that you've never met to ask for a recorded interview about your long-dead grandfather who disowned you? Well, if you're me, you don't do that. I'm way too wimpy for something like that. It's much more comfortable, you see, to hide behind a keyboard and randomly send messages to people on Facebook that might be your long-lost relative. Now, this would have been a simple strategy if my dad's cousin, Marshall Jr., was on Facebook, but no, he's not. And then, by some sort of miracle, my dad searched the recesses of his mind and found a fleeting memory that Marshall's son might be named Tim. So I found a Tim Dolan on Facebook and developed an eloquent yet brief message that said in part, quote, Any chance you're the son of Marshall Dolan? I know. Impressive. My wordsmithing must have made an impact. Long story short, Marshall Jr. and Tim agreed to meet with my brother and me while I was in Minnesota to talk. And as it turns out, he lives only a few miles from my brother Jacob's house. So off we went. Hey there. You must be Tim. I'm Tim, yes. I'm Brian. Brian, nice to meet you. Hi, Jacob. Jacob. Jacob, nice to meet, nice to meet you. you. Glad you in. came, man. Brian? Nice to meet you, Marshall. Pleasure is all mine. Thanks for having us. I really yeah. appreciate it. Come on in, man. Even though none of us had ever met, it didn't take long for us to get comfortable. I'm guessing that's likely because of our genetic similarities. You know, dashing good looks, sharp wit, captivating personalities. You know what I'm talking about. In fact, as I sat down on the couch in Marshall's living room, it didn't take long for him to actually start ribbing me. You know, I'm old, so yeah. You're, are you 80, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I think you are the oldest living Dolan, is that yeah. correct? Yeah. Born in the 30s. Oh, my God. Yeah, wow. It was like forever ago. Yeah. Boy, I got to check to see if I got my feet in the grave or not. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, game on. I can't let an 80-year-old just burn me like that. So, I gently struck back with the only memory my dad has of his cousin Marshall. Yeah, my dad remembers you showing up to family events in sports cars with good-looking girls. Yeah. That's what he remembers. That sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I would. I, I, I have been blessed with uh, very attractive women, uh, one of them which I married <laughs> uh, through the years. So I don't know why. Maybe the $100 bill hanging out of the pocket. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> Another point for Marshall. As you can tell, he's a very young, spry, sharp 80. And with that, we dove right in. Marshall turned out to be a family historian and right away rocked my world with the fact that my last name isn't really Dolan. The change originated with my great-great-grandfather, John Dolan, before he immigrated to America. John Dolan was in the Swedish army. His name was John Gustafsson. And they said, we have too many Gustafsons. So therefore, your name is going to be Swenson, and your name is going to be Dolan. And apparently, Dolan means something like uh, Peaceful Valley or Happy Valley. And then they came over here as Dolan, and he had Oscar, Edward, I think a John Jr., and maybe a Charles. I think there were four boys. Oh. I won't swear to it. Well, that's okay. <laughs> I, I have met Uncle Ed, and I met a couple of the other ones, but it was, you know, a long time ago on a planet far away. I'd never heard this before. I'm confident my dad and my uncle hadn't either. So he's got to know more about my great-grandfather, Oscar, and therefore, my grandpa's childhood. How much you know about Oscar then? I, I know he passed away in 37, so you, you uh, obviously didn't meet him. Right? He was uh, 50 years old when he passed away. He was very young. He yeah, he shouldn't mm-hmm. have passed away. So now, I and mean... Helen, of course, lived uh, much longer. She lived in Seattle. And uh, I think in about 78 or so, Helen moved back here to the Masonic home in Bloomington. Uh, your grandfather and my dad got her to move back. And she lived there for uh, a number of years, and she died at the age of 93. Hmm. Uh, we'd had her over to the house, and, you know, a lovely lady, a stoic German woman. Yeah, she was German. So not much so, emotion? She... <laughs> She didn't show a lot of emotion. She may have had it, but she didn't show it. What uh, What do you know about about Oscar's relationship with just at, with your dad, for example? Were they real close? Was he stoic? Oh, like, yeah, Oscar. According to what I have in the back end of my mind, the family was close, but Oscar was busy building the business, and he did succeed in building a very successful business. Could that be a clue into my grandfather's personality? Was he a product of his stoic, non-emotive mother? Maybe. But at the same time, Marshall shared something about my great-grandfather and my family legacy that makes me immensely proud. His label business became what I have been told to be the seventh largest label company in the world. You know, I, w- I went to work there when I was younger, okay. and I had been taught by people who had worked for my grandfather. Frank Alder had worked there since 1928, and he taught me to run certain kinds of presses. And uh, 
we had a foreman there that had been there for 40 years. Oh. The girl in the front, she had been there, I don't know, 35, 40 years. She was 82 when they decided that she had better retire because her vision was getting bad. Oh. She was doing the book work and stuff. Okay. You know. So the thing that we did there is uh, treated them like family. My grandfather during the depression had all of the employees painting the building, cleaning the building, and kept them working. And then he bought or put together uh, a trucking company to have uh, deliveries for McGarvey Atwood Coffee Company. It was Atwood, I think, at that time. And they delivered coffee. Huh. So he kept all of the employees going. You know, it was a family business run for all the employees as a family. So, Not so was he taking outsiders. a loss of sorts d d during that, that season just to keep people working, to oh, care yeah. for them? Yeah, that's what he did. He did wow. all of that to keep people working. Which Boy. was kind of nice. That shows a, a compassionate heart there. Well, you know, the thing, and my dad did it, and uh, I did it. You treat people like people, not employees, but like part of the family. My great-grandfather treated his employees like family. They spent their careers with him. And in an act of overwhelming generosity and love, he took a financial loss during the Depression and started another business just to be sure his employees were cared for. My dad and my uncle just know his name. But Marshall Jr. knows my great-grandfather Oscar Dolan's legacy. And then, for the very first time in my whole life, I got to see Oscar. Now, is, is, this, is this just a random person, or is that... That's Oscar. That's Oscar. Oh. Yeah, yeah Oscar, I haven't seen any photos of Oscar. He's got other pictures of Oscar. The last one oh, do you? Oh. Don't you have other pictures of Oscar? There's Oscar. Oh. You don't mind if I scan it on my phone, do you? No. I'll send you a bill later. <laughs> Honestly, it was just a few bits of information. But it was a lot to process particularly in light of what I know of my grandfather. His dad was a man of generosity and character. And based upon what I just learned, those qualities were passed along to his son, Marshall Sr., and his grandson, Marshall Jr. Doesn't that make you wonder? Why didn't my grandpa get those qualities? As a point of contrast, I wanted to investigate this a bit further. It's one thing to treat your employees like family. But what was my grandfather's brother Marshall like at home? So tell me about your, uh, your, your dad. What was he like, his personality? Oh. <laughs> How do I describe that? I know it's hard to encapsulate that, but... He was a very sincere and nice individual. Of course, I grew up during the Second World War, and... So he was an air raid warden, and the business, he was busy running that, and probably was gone, you know, during the day, every day, but come home nights. He enjoyed traveling. My mom enjoyed traveling. 
I can remember them telling me about going pheasant hunting and driving down the road, shooting pheasants out of the car. You know, well, you know, you're talking about back in the 20s. Yeah. yeah. And so they hunted quite a bit. It was becoming clear that the brothers were very different people. As you may recall, my grandpa's yearbook revealed that he wasn't in any activities. The only hobby I'm aware of was a passing interest in a model train set. But not his brother, Marshall Sr. Marshall was also an accomplished musician. Prior to his father's death, he actually was a professional saxophonist in a big band in California. And he never let go of his love for music. I can remember he had some of his buddies. They'd come over to the house, and we had a baby grand piano in the living room. And they had, oh, a drummer and uh, my dad and somebody else. And he had those guys get together and they jammed downstairs. And my brother and I would go to the top of the stairs and listen to him, you know, play. Because it was really good. Was he pretty good, your dad? Oh, yeah. And the differences run even deeper. As you may recall from previous episodes, my grandfather didn't really spend quality time with his sons. That was in stark contrast to the relationship my grandpa Tom's brother Marshall had with his sons. Were you too close to your dad? Uh, I, I worked with dad for, I think I started working there in 63 and a half or thereabouts. We worked together until 1988. Oh, wow. So you were together every day with your dad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it, it sounds we like... We go to lunch together. Oh. Yeah. And it sounds like he was kind of your mentor in, in, in business as well, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So he invested in you quite a bit. Invested is a good word. I was allowed to start selling printing without any existing accounts. <laughs> he probably was an inspiration for me because I worked with him for all of those years. And he taught me a lot. I decided it was time to start finding out what Marshall Jr. remembers about my Grandpa Tom. I didn't really know my grandfather, and, and, and Jacob didn't know him well either. So how would you describe him? I mean, like, compare him to your dad. Were they similar guys in personality, very different? One's loud, one's quiet? Um, I would describe my dad as being flamboyant, and your grandfather as being more quiet and methodical, and I don't think plotting is the proper word, but I think that's why he was doing the estimating, because he was a little more methodical. I, you know, it just, I want to say like my brother and myself, he was one way, the other one was the other way, and the two of them complemented each other. So perhaps like your your dad was the extrovert, so he was in sales. Yeah. And my grandfather was more of an introvert. Yeah. But it sounds like he was like his brother and his dad, where they cared about people and took uh, care of them, and you have you have good memories of working with him. And I do. I have a different approach to life than he had. What do you mean by that? Basically, what the difference between Uncle Tom and myself was. I always shot from the hip. He never, he, 
He shot from the uh, calculator. Quiet, methodical, introverted, focused on detail. Never shot from the hip. Okay, it's a hazy snapshot of a person. But it brings the mystery of my grandfather just a little more clearly into focus. However, my dad's cousin Marshall Jr. added a brand new layer to the disownment mystery. I shared a recording of my grandmother Betty's voice from the early 1970s. When I discovered it and heard her words of love and affection for my dad, I assumed her death must have contributed in some way to the eventual birthday card incident. I was right. Yeah, the two families didn't meet a lot together. When your grandmother Betty died, it became a, a different kind of a situation for some reason or other. What, what do you mean by that? Ex explain that. Uh, my mother didn't like to associate with a lot of people, and um, she was not anxious to get into family get-togethers and stuff. So, and I think Betty's passing was kind of the end of the family get-togethers. So Betty kind of forced the, yeah. the get-togethers and, and initiated them? Yeah. Betty was a very nice young lady. Yeah, what, what was she like? I just remember Betty and her red hair, and she had a great personality. She was a lovely lady. I think she was uh, just the opposite of Tom. I think the two of them complemented each other in that respect. That uh, That's how they got along, I'm sure. But, yeah, Betty was just uh, the nicest lady I can remember. So when you were at, at family get-together, she was the one who was boisterous and laughing. And doing, and was Tom just more quiet yeah, then? Tom was a little quieter, yeah. I can remember your grandfather changed a lot when Betty passed away. Tell me more about that. What do you mean by that? Well, he just became very quiet, I thought. You know, and I'm, I'm thinking of this as a young individual, but I just thought he was very quiet. Hmm. The next step was going to be uncomfortable. Remember, this is the first time I've ever met my dad's cousin, Marshall Jr. And he's honorably doing his very best to share respectful comments and memories about my Grandpa Tom. But I had to ask about the disownment. I did my best to explain what transpired, and as I wrapped up, I gently asked for his take. And I'm hoping you can help me figure out how well, this could happen. I, your grandfather was going out with a lady, and I can remember that um, she had... Uh, the financial wherewithal that they could travel all over the world. I remember somebody saying that they'd gone to Egypt and they'd come back and they were in Dulles Airport and neither one of them knew where they were. Mm -hmm. Apparently, Tom was uh, getting into the old timer's disease. Yeah. Apparently she had also, and, but it was just unusual that both of them were at Dulles and did not remember where they were, you know. And I think that may have been part of what Tom was going through, is this change that I hope I never go through. 
Yeah, and, and that was one of my suspicions as well. Tom Jr. has indicated he thought it all came on pretty quickly. And if I do my math right, there was still a couple of years, unless he had early onset Alzheimer's in like 83 mm-hmm. and couldn't remember dates, there probably was a few lucid years where it just seems odd to me that both my dad and my grandfather just kind of moved on. Mm-hmm. Does it surprise you that your uncle kind of, was that the kind of guy he was where you'd go, yeah, I'm not too surprised that he would let that happen? No, it, it doesn't surprise me that people get Alzheimer's disease, <laughs> but I can, I can remember my cousin Tom saying, well, you know, he, he meets new people every day. They're the same people, but they're new to him. Alzheimer's. Even after I pressed, Marshall Jr. stuck with that theory. All these years, my parents and I were under the impression that his symptoms arrived suddenly. But my uncle revealed many more incidents of dementia than we ever knew existed. I needed clarity. Now that our communication gap had been bridged, I sent my uncle a text. If anyone would know when my Grandpa Tom's Alzheimer's symptoms first appeared, it would be him. And I obviously forgot to ask that question. The response took my breath away. Remember that story he shared about my grandfather getting lost driving to a holiday gathering in his own neighborhood? In his text response, my uncle said this incident transpired in the late 1970s. I was stunned. So, am I understanding you correctly? that you were likely noticing memory lapses and dementia from your dad in the late 1970s? He answered with one word. Yes. I had no idea. But how could this be? Is it even medically possible for someone to show signs of dementia in the late 1970s and then live all the way until 1992? Gratefully, my friend Dr. David Fisher is a family physician and geriatrician in Durham, North Carolina. He works regularly with Alzheimer's patients in his practice, so I figured I'd reach out to him for some answers. Hear our conversation on the next episode of The Grandfather Effect.